0: You doing, Podcats? A merry seasonable area to you. Welcome to this year's festive podcast featuring various Adam and Joe related bits and pieces, which I, Adam Buxton, have bundled up for you in a Christmassy pod sack. You're welcome. It's Christmas Eve as I speak. I'm in a field trudging after my dog dog Rosie, she's up ahead bothering elves and fairies and um, this is the first time I've been outdoors for a few days. You may be able to hear that I (coughs) have a bit of a cold situation ongoing. I think like a lot of people it's quite an unusual and tenacious strain characterised mainly by a very persistent tickly cough which has been driving me crazy and uh, it's one of those things where you, you, you cough, whoa it's David Blowy. you cough so much and then you think oh I may, maybe I'll never stop coughing and then you, you start to get faint, you have to hold on to something and also it feels as if you're getting a workout, you know the stomach muscles are really working So you may have had a really bad cold for a couple of weeks, but by the end of it, you think, well, I'm probably going to look like Peter Andre or Joel Domit with a six pack there from coughing. Don't know if that's how it works. Anyway, the other thing, of course, uh, that's been happening in my world over the last few weeks is uh, getting ready for the show I did with Joe on the 15th of December at the BFI Celebrating 20 years since we did our first TV show, or rather, since our first TV show, The Adam and Joe Show, was broadcast on Channel 4 in December 1996. Lovely audience, we had a good time. And I hope we're going to do another similar show at some point in a larger venue so more people can come along next time. It was a bit of an experiment. But I already had a cold when we did that show and as soon as it was over I think it was a case of my body thinking that it had spotted a nice little window in the diary for a bout of illness and I was properly plunged into the arena of the unwell thereafter but luckily I'm a trooper so I didn't let you down podcast wise I'm not a trooper I don't like being ill And it's one of the very, very few things I'm not really very good at. And not only did I get ill, let me tell you, everyone in our family got ill. Except Rosie, she's been all right. She felt a bit weird one day, but she just ate some grass and puked it up and now she's fine. So anyway, it's been a challenging few weeks. But hey, that's Christmas. So this podcast, what can you expect, listeners? Well, there's a few live nuggets... From the twentieth anniversary Adam and Joe live show, some related to the Adam and Joe TV show, some not, some sort of general in nature. Towards the end of the podcast, there's a few appearances, old and new, from the Queen, Alara, oh, Lara. It's going to be confusing for people who have never listened to the Six Music show before. You'll be all right. And uh, and there's some other bits of waffle recorded the day after the live show at the BFI when I went into Joe's office at Big Talk Productions in London where he's working currently and uh, there we exchanged a couple of shameful meltdown stories I told Joe about how doing silly accents can get you in trouble Joe read out a few egg that people had submitted on my blog thanks very much by the way to Everyone who submitted stuff for the live show. I'll be doing some shout-outs at the end of the podcast. And Joe also shared a few film recommendations from 2016. Uh, So there's hopefully more than enough to keep you entertained for the next hour and a bit while you're peeling Brussels sprouts, uh, digesting mince pies, taking a break in your nutty room. As you decompress from a particularly cataclysmic Christmassy set, too, with a member of your family, whatever you're doing, thanks for uh, choosing to do it in my company and Joe's company. So, oh, I should I should do a language warning, I guess. Well, it's Christmas, isn't it? So, most of the language bombs, the really dangerous ones, have been defused, but there may still be the odd squib. So tread carefully. But for now. Let's join Joe and myself talking about TV, going through Joe's favourite channels by number. Well, you know, we had to warm up, didn't we? Here we go!
1: Rumble Chat, a Christmas Rumble Chat, focus on...
2: fast doesn't it and before you know it it's over so you've really got to enjoy the build-up don't you think the
0: anticipation absolutely well it's like life isn't it
2: yeah, yeah. you have got to wallow in the build-up because the yeah. actual
0: moment is very transient so you're not the kind of person that gets annoyed when the um christmas lights go up very early and the ads start coming on tv yeah no i do get annoyed about oh, that. oh do you yeah but i don't tend to watch much tv anymore i'm very
2: modern are you? Yeah, that's the thing to say these days, isn't it? Oh, I don't watch. Oh, watch I don't TV. watch TV. Yeah, that's every like if you're like if you're modern, that's what you say.
0: Yeah, but then you just watch loads of stuff on the internet.
2: No, I tend to uh, I tend to switch over when the commercials come on if I'm watching telly.
0: Right. So I just avoid the. So commercials wait, are you watching entirely. TV or are you not watching TV?
2: I am, but I'm very specific on what channels I watch. Oh. Okay. So I go one, two, four. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. Then I go 15, this is on Freeview. 15, what's on 15? Film 4. Film 4. 32, which I think might be movies for men.
0: What, stories about testicular cancer? No,
2: just no. movies, old okay. MGM movies, okay. it's like 80s movies. Movie mix, it's called. Movie mix. Movie mix, it's just got old, good old, good 80s movies. Mm-hmm. So I go 1, 2, BBC 4, mm-hmm. Then I go. Uh, then I go 15, then I go 32, then I go 70... <laughs> the horror channel seriously then i go 81 talking <laughs> pictures tv
0: right what's on talking pictures tv
2: it's old, old movies really good interesting old movies uh-huh. non-stop round the clock so it's
0: not nerds talking about films
2: no no they do an hour of cruise cruise ships <laughs> between about 5 and 6 but otherwise, it's really good old Wait, films. Wait, what's an hour of cruise ships? They sell. They do an hour of selling you cruises because it's for it's for the elderly. Oh, I see. It's mainly for the
0: elderly, it's but they not do films show amazing
2: old black and white set movies. Set on
0: cruise ships.
2: No, but they do have those as well. Yeah, yeah, the captain's table. Right. That sort of thing. It's very hip. Channel eighty one at the moment. Is it? Yeah. Mark Gates tweets about it a lot. Right. Uh, but genuinely, Channel eighty one is usually my first port of call. Hmm. But there you go. That's the TV I watch. And when the commercials come, you can usually jump from 81 back up to 32. Yeah. If 32's got commercials, hop up to 15. There are times, though, when it's just a big commercial valley. When they all valley. align. Yeah, and you can't yeah, get out of it. Yeah, at the top of the hour. Well, then you go to 102 huh. for BBC Two or 101 for BBC One HD. Did you watch the thing about Disney, the two-parter? I did not. No, it was that good. It was
0: pretty solid.
2: Was it? Yeah, it was what interesting. What
0: was its angle on Disney? Oh, it was very balanced. They had a lot of different cultural commentators putting his work in context. It was just an overall history. Yeah. I didn't see the whole thing, so I may have missed a little bit where they deal with some of his more mm-hmm. unsavoury political mm. associations. Um, but I think they did deal with that. Did they? And they also... I mean, it was just a fascinating story of someone who was so ahead of his time... Who...
2: Foskenarting. What? Faskenating. That's how you say fascinating. Ah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fasquinating. <laughs> it was absolutely fasquinating. <laughs> You've got a terrible coughety splutters.
0: I know. Now I can't laugh anymore. All I, all I do is cough. That's if okay. I find That's something good. amusing, I start coughing. You're
2: going your full tramp's formation. <laughs> <laughs> the final transformation. It's like the fly, but it's the tramp. <laughs> I'm the transformer. <laughs> the tramp. The transformer.
1: Jingle. Christmas jingles, where's the bells for the jingles, who the jingle bells?
0: So look, before we go any further, um, while you're adjusting to how old we look, <laughs> let's have a little chat about something related to the Adam and Joe show, specifically the Adam and Joe show theme, which begins with a piece of music by this man, Shuby Taylor, also known as the Human Horn. And uh, this is the piece of music we use.:
1: Blacks, let's not forget where we came from. Let's learn to love. This is the and bit we
0: didn't use in the show.
1: Shuby Taylor. do
0: So Shubi was um, a man who loved to scat. But he was not really a professional scat singer. He was somewhat deluded. He was not unlike a kind of uh, Florence Foster Jenkins figure. Bryce. And he he created a whole lexicon of scatting, this insane scatting. And he recorded an album, a a lot like Florence Foster Jenkins. There's a film about Florence Foster Jenkins out at the moment. And she was a socialite in New York who uh, was very wealthy, but she was a patron.
1: Sorry,
0: it's all good to be honest. It's just one of my favourite bits. And uh, so she was a kind of outsider musician, Florence Foster Jenkins, in the same way that Shuby was. And she did a sort of vanity project, recorded her own record, which became a hit. Was passed around at parties, and everyone's like, "Oh, have you heard this?" And people thought it was funny, but. Florence Foster Jenkins herself was entirely serious about what she was doing in the same way that Shuby was, even though Shuby was aware that people uh, thought he was a little bit ridiculous. Was and he a sort of uh, drifter, a hobo? No, he was never a drifter. He was a postal worker in New York, yeah. but he was by no means rich. You know, he always lived on the bread line, never made any money out of his scat singing. And um, before we did the Adam and Joe show, Louis threw passed us a tape. Who? Of- he does, he's a bit like Michael Moore. Right. He's sort of like the working
2: man's uh, John Ronson. Exactly. Yes. He's like the poor man's John Ronson. The poor, that's what I meant. Yeah. Working man?
0: He's like I the don't la- like the
2: sound of him. He sounds he's like the lazy poor
0: man's John Ronson. Yes. <laughs> he's only got two weapons in his armory and they are saying meaning. <laughs> and what's the other one? Uh, just
2: silence. Intimidating silence. That's right. Staring. <laughs> Slagging off, Louis is going down very well.
0: <laughs> Strange. We can but when do he's more of that later on. Because he's on top. But Louis, who, you know, spiritually is linked to the Adam and Joe show in lots of ways, because he, he gave us uh, lots of ideas for bits and pieces. And one of the things he passed us was this tape of Shuby. And so we included a little bit in the show, just at the very beginning there, of the Adam and Joe theme... Uh, Here's a little bit of Shuby Taylor on uh, Live at the Apollo. This is the the only TV appearance he ever made. It's only very short. Looks like Bruno Mars. Shuby
1: Taylor! How you doing, Shuby? Fine, fine, fine. You know, they call me the human frog, but I understand they call you the human horn. Yes, that's correct, because that's what I do. I blow me. Well, that's great, and uh, just keep it to yourself. Now, uh, going out there.
0: The audience start booing very quickly. They don't like him at all. They don't think he's funny. They just think he's useless. It's Flavor Flav. Yeah, so you you get that Flavor Flav character at the Apollo who comes and yanks people off, as it were. And so that was Shubi, who was crushed after that appearance because he he loved what he did. He had a sense of humour about it, but... uh, he wanted to be taken seriously to some degree. What I'm building up to is the fact that our friend Garth Jennings, because he used to watch the Adam and Joe show, um, got into Shuby Taylor, and he used that track in his film Sing, which is coming out. This big no, really. block-busting um, animation that Garth So that
2: means some royalties directed. for Shuby. So that for means Shuby's son, Shubie Jr. Shuby's son will be receiving a cheque. So, but and that's because of us. In a, it, I'm so saying... What you're saying is because if we... No, this is really moving, so I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, if we hadn't done what we'd done, Garth wouldn't have done what he'd done, and then that wouldn't have done what that done, and then someone would have died.
0: You put it more movingly than I ever could. <laughs> That's very moving. I mean, you could say that the story began with Louis, but I, I don't want to... No. No. Who says Shubi doesn't believe? Oh. There we go. That was a bit from our live show, as you probably figured out. And uh, we thought it would be nice to um, start by paying tribute to Shubi there in a slightly self-serving fashion. The other people who should have got a mention, however, were Doug Stone, a filmmaker from New York who I think was responsible for turning Louis onto Shuby in the first place before Louis then passed that tape on to me, and Erwin Chusid, who has championed Shuby and other outsider musicians for years. His book, Songs in the Key of Zed* features a terrific series of profiles of Shuby, the Shags, Daniel Johnston, Harry Parch, Florence Foster Jenkins, and many other musical heroes of the left field. I recommend it. Erwin Chucid, songs in the key of Z. But now it's back to Joe's office for some attempted gift giving. Here we go.
2: But listen, I did email you last night and I said, is there anything else you'd like me to prepare? Yeah. And you didn't mention, the. and I'm not saying this in an accusatory way, (laughs) but you didn't say, oh, bring some prezzies. Did I not? Because I would have if you'd said it. Don't worry. So I am going to give you some presents. Oh. But they're just going to be things around in the, the office. Oh, yeah. that's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. So shall I start by giving you a Prezi? Sure. Okay, here we go. So here's your Prezi. It's a oh. new MacBook Pro. With a touch bar that's but like here's a rainbow. The twist. What's the twist? It's empty. Oh. There's no MacBook Pro in it. Because you've got it. Because I've got it here. Yeah. But the thing about Macintosh packaging is it's so wonderful,
0: isn't it? Mm, this like, is something I'm going to treasure forever.
2: <laughs> you could do an unboxing video. And you haven't
0: even—oh, <laughs> you haven't even left any of the instructions or the—no, it's empty. Or the power cable or no. anything in there. <laughs> it's just the box, yeah, with the white plastic. Not a very good present. Molding inside.
2: I've had worse. I think you might end up cutting this bit out. It just feels a little bit hollow. <laughs> 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 it is literally hollow. How is the new MacBook Pro? With it's the... very problematic. Is it? It's Why? got shit battery life. Oh. It's got no... You have to have this external dongle.
0: They're not even mini-display, no, they're it's new. C- it's
2: got no USBs. So Why'd you get it? Because I'm an idiot. Right. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to give you the gift of the box, to, w- to warn the listeners not to buy the new uh. <laughs> <laughs> Apple MacBook Pro. Yeah. And the battery life, it says up to 10 hours. Yeah. It does... Six and a quarter.
0: Well, that's okay. In the old days, they used to say up to eight hours and actually realistically really? it was Do you two... think
2: that's good enough? Yeah. Because I called the Apple helpline. Oh. And I got quite shirty with the man. Did you? I said, look, it says up to 10 hours and it's only giving me six and a quarter. And he said, well, it's an estimate.
0: It's an estimate because it depends and on... And then he said, it says up to. Yeah.
2: And I said, well, that means it could give, my, give me two minutes. Does that mean it could give me two minutes of battery life? I mean, that's up to 10 hours. Yeah. What if it gave me a second? That's up to 10 hours. Is this hours. what you said to him on the phone? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not that. I didn't go down to a second, but it was to that effect. Yeah. And he got really angry with me. Did he? He did, yeah. He's
0: supposed to be absolutely... He said, absolutely... look,
2: I've told you three times. <laughs> Seriously. So I just put the phone down. <laughs> I might have said a sweary word to him <laughs> and slammed the phone down. <laughs> it, was not, it was not a healthy conversation between two human beings. I'm sure if we met and just had a talk about other things, we'd be very friendly, but there were yeah. many dif- difficult psychological barriers between us. He... The fact that I'd spent all this money on this computer, right. the language that, I'd been, that had been used to sell it to me, the language he was using, the fact that he was working in an Apple call centre. Did the
0: sweary word from you come right at the end? Oh, the f- Right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, I haven't done that for years. I was going to say, I don't associate no. you
2: with that sort no, of technique. I really haven't. But it, I'm the
0: king of that. Have behavior. you done
2: that recently? I'm
0: not proud of it. I'm ashamed. Uh, I haven't done it on the phone, weirdly enough. I no. did it IRL face to face no that's
2: yeah. daring uh, i really have to stress that i'm not proud of him. it, I'm, it, I, of it course. gave me about 3 or 4 hours of real self-loathing after i'd done it i'm sure yeah i really he... felt for the guy i mean he's just it's not his, his fault i know can you imagine the amount of morons he's got to deal he with he was not he i have to say his manner wasn't brilliant well this is the thing i've told you 3 times now yeah that's he shouldn't be saying that
0: he should be I keeping felt
2: scolded
0: Sometimes they're like that at the Apple store. They get a little bit too It wasn't at the store, it was
2: at one of the the telephone help centre line areas.
0: I mean, that's got to be a horrible job. But having said that, don't do the job, I think, if you aren't prepared to deal with absolute morons. Like me. Like (laughs) Jacob. And do it with a smile on your face. Another professional group that have to deal with a lot of wallies a lot... Hang on, who did you swear at? Well, IRR, people who work in train stations. Yeah. Because you've got a lot of stressed yes. out people coming through those places. Everyone is in a state of high anxiety, rushing for a train, getting angry when their train gets cancelled, feeling badly treated by the train companies, etc. You want to vent some steam.
2: If little. the trains were still steam Ooh, powered, yeah, <laughs> you could literally just stuff them full of venting commuters. Maybe that's the secret plan. Yeah, just shove a lot of angry. That's
0: whoosh, right. Power te- it by commuter fuel. They tell you it's all run on electricity. It's not. It's run on frustration. It's still steam fury. Yeah. So what happened with me was this was about uh, this must have been about September this year, 2016, and I went to Houston Station. I was getting a train up north to Manchester. and um, The Northern Powerhouse. Yeah. And I went to, I, I just said, yeah. <laughs> and I moved my <laughs> yeah, <back> on. Yeah. <laughs> I was on my bike, right? I'm on my Brompton pink foldy bike. And usually what I would do when I'm going to retrieve my ticket from mm. the ticket machine, put my code in, etc., is I wheel my bike over with me. Because I'm mindful of the fact that, you know, you're always encouraged to keep your belongings with you at all times Mm. in those places. And I can understand why. So I want to oblige. So I go over, but it's really busy this morning. It's about 9.30 in the morning. And all the machines are occupied. And so there's not enough room for me to lean my bike up against the, the machine. You see what I'm saying? So I think, okay. I don't want to get in anyone else's way. I'll lean it up against something right near the machine. So I I, I see this big display about, uh, you know, three feet away from the ticket collection machine. Lean it up against there. Move over and and, uh, I'm retrieving my ticket and it's just printing out. When suddenly this voice in my left ear just says, um, is that your bike? Like that. Instant, you know, instant sort of aggro, telling off. Put your voice. heckles up. Yeah, instant, and my heckles go right up, all the way up.
2: Buying the
0: heckles, <laughs> the buckles, hackles. Now, is it heckles buckles, or
2: hackles? Heckles. It's heck. It's it's heck. My heckles are up. You keep talking, I'll find out. I think it might be hackles.
0: Anyway, so my either my heckles or my hackles are up. Both of them are up. You're right. It's hackles. Right. My dander. heckles. buckles, up. hackles, and, um, I look over and it's a bloke. Um, he's got to be late forties, smartly dressed in a uniform, a rail uniform. He's a um, concourse security guy, and his name is—I well, won't say his name—but he's an Italian gentleman, right? And he's saying, "Is that your bike?" I said, uh, "Yeah." Don't leave your bike unattended. And I was like, "Oh well, it's not unattended. I'm right here. I'm just getting my ticket." You don't leave your bike unattended. And I was like why are you talking to me like that? I say. Mm. And he's like, because you have been told uh, you should know not to leave your bike unattended. It is very dangerous. I'm like, Don't be ridiculous. I'm right here. I'm getting my ticket. And so I'm immediately just enraged. Like, why is it the default position of this guy to talk to me like a, a, a little child miscreant? Mm. You know, rather that what's wrong with, excuse me, sir, is that your... Bike over there. Mm. Just, just mm. you know, mm. just mm. to say, mm. please don't leave it unattended. Mm.
1: Um, you know, what,
0: what about that? What will be wrong with that? Mm. Instead of instant tell-offs. Mm. And so that's what I wanted to communicate to this guy. But because the hackles were so high and the mm. dander was up, I, I couldn't articulate it properly. And I immediately just got f- furious and frustrated. And so you go to a place that you shouldn't go to, which is being a dick. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to teach you a lesson by being a dick myself. And the way I'm going to do that is to say to you, like, what are you, what is the point of your job anyway? And he's like, the point of my job is to keep people safe. And that is what I am trying to do by saying, I'm like, all you're doing is making life worse. Because you are not serving a practical purpose by telling me off for leaving my bike just there where I can see it. It's No one's going to come over and stuff a bomb in it
2: at which point they they came scuttling along, popped a pipe up your bum and another in your mouth, attached the other end to the steam engine. (laughs) The 342
0: is now ready to depart, powered by Buculis's fury. Buculis's dickish indignation. And I'm glad to say that his dickish indignation is so powerful that you will arrive at your destination half an hour early today. Because of the sheer power of his spleen venting. So, what is the what is the right way to handle that? Well, the right way to handle it would have been just to say, um, "Yes, sorry." Yeah, you're right. You're and right. the best
2: way for me to handle my apple thing would have been to say, uh, "Well, this is really annoying, but it's not your fault." And
0: um, but it was. Like, I, bye I, bye. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it, and I, I was feeling a bit beaten up. You know, I'd had a late night. Yes. And it was a perfect storm of badness. And yes. I just felt probably the so so... same
2: for him. You were probably both carrying a lot of baggage. Right. So you should take Q-tips advice and just breathe and stop. Breathe
0: and stop. Yeah, and give it what you got. Of course you should. And I'm getting better at it. Yes. I very seldom have these kind of conversations. Yeah.
2: Take a deep breath. But
0: here's the thing. As I was admonishing with him, if that's the right phrase, and I was, because I was trying to get my point across, like, I know your job is difficult. I know you have to deal with a lot of wallies, but the way to do it is not to treat people mm-hmm. like they're all dicks because then everyone is more antagonistic with each other. And it just really makes the world Did more... it end happily? No. No. Because as I was saying this, as I was telling the guy off, I was like, you, you know, you're not making the world a better place. Nah. I was being a prick, right? Mm. And as I was saying all this stuff, and he was being a prick right back at me, let me tell you. There was no question of him being, he was like, well, you are behaving like a moron too. You know, there was no question of him being <laughs> oh my God. sort of uh, yes. um, professional about it. You see, or,
2: in my thing, I could slam the phone down and bring it to an oh, end. There's yeah. no slamming a phone down IRL. No. And then check this
0: out. This woman suddenly is in our a vector. Woman. A woman. Smartly dressed woman. Mm. And she was saying to him, just ignore him, just ignore him. Yes. You're trying to do your job. Just ignore him. Like she Italian as talking well. At, she was uh, Euro somewhere. She was siding with him. She was siding with him and uh, with me right in front, Sort of saying, ignore him, this guy's just an idiot. She, it was the implication, yes. right? It was a living nightmare because I thought, well, clearly I am an idiot. I am a moron. <laughs> I've lost control. Everything about this situation is bad. And so I just, I walked off, right? Get my train. I've only got five minutes to get my train. Mm, 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 mm. I go there, I'm shaking with shaking rage. Shaking with rage. And indignation. And injustice.
2: Injustice. 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 Oliver, and then Oliver Stone comes over and says, hey, let's do a movie. Let's do a movie about this. <laughs> <laughs> let's
0: do a really bad movie about let's this. Let's do a
2: movie. Like, it's the most, uh, it's the greatest injustice since uh, Salv—since <laughs> my movie, Salvador.
0: Well, I wish he had come because it might have stopped me going back. No, <laughs> you nutcase.
2: <laughs> and doing what? For one more round. No. This, is, this doesn't feel very Christmassy. No. This story. <laughs> That's the equivalent of me calling back yeah, the Apple Center. it is.
0: It is the equivalent. Say, Could
2: I speak to the man that I just told to F off, please? Because <laughs> I've got a little more up my barrel.
0: <laughs> what I was thinking of doing, right? This is why I went back. I thought, I've got to do two things. I've got to... Apologise. Yes, because I felt yeah, bad yeah. about
2: how I behaved. Yeah,
0: but I've also got to try and make him understand why I got
2: so angry. Yes, so you can make the so this doesn't happen to anybody else.
1: So the world is a better so place.
2: the world is a better place. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes.
2: That's why you set up the Adam Buxton public confrontation. And this is what makes it so Christmassy. So that other people don't have to have <laughs> public confrontations right. like right. that. And this is why this story is it's so. It's an Christmassy. army of little hairy men on pink Bromptons. <laughs> Who cycle around London, and whenever they see altercations, yeah. they pop up. Yeah, and they, and they... And they have little hats on, little Santa hats And on, they add a little
0: on. pinch of scents and reason yes. dust. a soothing herbal lozenger. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I see the guy, and I go up, and I say, Excuse me, I just wanted to explain that the reason we just had that unpleasant altercation... There, you sound very under control. Uh, I wasn't, (laughs) my voice was, uh, 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 excuse me, I just wanted to say, uh, there is a reason we had that unpleasant altercation there, was because, and before I could even finish my sentence, he was right back in my face, and he goes,
1: was because you were behaving like a total moron
0: yes wow and it all just exploded again again but but this time i realized there was no question of there being any happy resolution so i just i just walked away got my train but i was physically in mourning do you know how you, you, you sometimes you get that rush of adrenaline yes and when it's combined with regret and then you crash you crash you have a crash i sat there with my head in my hands on the train for a while for like an hour cbt just thinking—that's what you need. Yeah, a bit of cognitive cognitive behavioural therapy. Get it? Come on, let's have some. Come on. <laughs> Are you going to get me that for Christmas? Yeah, <laughs> but separate thoughts from emotions. It was terrible. I felt so awful. And then, yeah, this is the final part of the story. Yeah. Then I spent about half a day composing a letter to the guy.
2: Oh my god.
0: Because I wanted to say...
2: Weirdly, I've been thinking of writing a letter to Apple.
0: Have you? Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but it's never going to be real. But there is a little bit of my idiot brain Mm -hmm. that has been composing that letter.
0: A psychologist would probably easily be able to identify all the bad things that are compelling me to do these things. You know, sort of vain arrogance, uh, a desire to control everything... But I genuinely felt like I wanted to say sorry to the guy. But I did want him to understand where I was coming from, at least, you know, to say, like, come on, it, it does matter the way you talk to people and the way you treat people. And it, ma- it makes a difference to how they feel. I understand you got a difficult job. But then in a way, that's what he could be saying to you. Uh-huh. Well, listen, I write the letter. It takes me a while. Yes. And then I get my wife to, to read it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My wife, will you read the letter I just wrote to uh, the man with who I her this had whole story? an
0: altercation? Yeah. Yeah. What did she say? She read the letter. Just ripped it up, put
2: it in the she bin. She said, don't send that letter. Yeah. It's a good, that's a good technique is to write the letter
0: and then just not send yeah. it. Yeah, Delete it. Delete it. Or at least sleep on it and then realize. Um, she said, don't send that letter. You yeah. know, you don't know anything about his life. He's got a difficult job. Yeah. You behave like a prick and that's pretty much all <laughs> there is to it. <laughs> She's a sensible lady.
1: <professal>
0: Just enjoying a little coffee there. Uh, now, as I said before, we got lots of messages sent in via my blog for the live show. Many of which we read out that night, but here's a few eggcorns that we got round to the next day in Joe's office. You know about eggcorns, right? That's the name given to a mangled phrase or word that often has its own internal logic in its wrongness. I had a jingle for this in the Christmas podcast last year, but it wasn't very good. So I thought that it would be a nice opportunity to use something that was recorded specially by Black Squadron member Ellen Ray who did this lovely version of joe's retro textination theme so you just have to imagine that retro textination this week was on the subject of egg corns and it'll all be fine here's the jingle thanks ellen
1: i like to listen to adam and joe i listen to the podcast not the live show i used to feel a cute frustration when i couldn't join in with textination but now my troubles have disappeared because retro nation's here. And now my letter might be read out instead of thrown in the trash and forgotten about.
0: Hit me with some of your
2: best eggcorns. Ross McMahon. An eggcorn from my five year old daughter Molly. I recently asked her if she would like some crisps as a snack. Yes, please, Dad, came the answer. OK, what kind would you like, I asked. Her answer, red and salted. Red and salted crisps. You can get red crisps, can't you? Like, like uh... Vegetable chips. Vegetable chips, yeah. yeah, you can, yeah. Would they be salted? Mm, yes, they would. Red and salted. They are red and salted. So next time she says that, give her some beetroot chips. Throw some vegetable chips in her face. In her face... <laughs> You could throw crisps quite hard into a five-year-old's face without <laughs> causing much damage, could you? Could you? Yeah. I mean, you want to watch for the eyes in case there's a shot. You shouldn't do that, should you? No. I've changed my mind just in the middle of thinking about it. Did you, could you detect when the switch happened, when the safety brakes came on? When the fat controller slammed <laughs> on the safety brakes?
0: But were you running through a scenario in Well, sometimes in your it's mind.
2: fun with an adult... To throw something really like that will not hurt them at them. Uh For instance, if you're opening a package and there's loads of polystyrene bits, you could get a handful and really violently throw them at someone, and it would be a way of getting out your getting letting off your steam. But it would be an entirely harmless exercise.
0: That's a very specific example, though, of something that would be entirely harmless. Polystyrene bits. Yeah, but also pretty crisps. much anything else. Well, I could c-
2: throw a handful of crisps at you, and it would be consequence-free. I mean, that's be such messy. an
0: offensive thing to do, isn't oh, really? it?
2: Really? Yeah, the mess, and nobody. It would be fun, and the contempt. But it would be fun. I'd be doing it with a big grin and on then my face. And if you face. did it to a <laughs> child, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> It's fine. It's absolutely fine. I you this... said it in the first place anyway. <laughs> you rewind this. You were the one who said it. I was just merely making you feel better I don't about think we're psychopath.
0: S- we're not seriously <laughs> suggesting that it would be a good Close idea to door. throw crisps in a child's face. <laughs>
2: uh, that was a good egg con, though, from Ross McMahon. That was great. not it?
0: You're, uh, you're, how are you pronouncing your surname? McMahon. Yeah, there you go. Well, I probably said actually McMahan. You said MacMahon. McMahon McMahan.
1: McMahon.
2: <laughs>
0: I like to pronounce all the letters, otherwise <laughs> what's the point in having them? <laughs> I agree. Um, this is from Michael Carter. He says, When things get too noisy in our house, my four-year-old boy will ask for a piece of quiet. And then he continues, You didn't ask his name, but his name is Sam, Sammy Sammy, Sausage Sammy, Sausage Sandwich, Sammy Sausage Sandwich City. Good day to you. Good day to you. And he gives a little kiss. At That's good.
2: Him. I had that one as well. A piece of quiet. Give us a piece of quiet. Kiss a piece of, just, just give a, me a piece of I quiet. Just want a piece of quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't want all the quiet. That was delicious. Thank you. Thanks, friend Mark. Can I have a little piece of quiet. You could throw that in his face.
0: Come and slice of quiet and
2: shove it in right in his, his face. face.
1: <laughs> rub it in his
2: face. You don't rub it. No. No, just throw it. Just throw it. Love it. There's nothing
0: there. It just bounces right off. Him. Shh.
2: That's a good one, Michael Carter, and that was a very good one. Sammy, 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 sausage, Sammy, sausage, sandwich, Sammy, (laughs) sausage, sandwich, sissy. This is from Luke Fowler. He says, Hi, Adam and Joe. I have a very quick egg corn to reveal that much to my dismay I never heard firsthand and only knew about after being told by two longtime friends who I met a bit further down the line in secondary school. One of the friends went through quite a large portion of his childhood mispronouncing the term cat amongst the pigeons as cat monkey pigeon. (laughs) 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 I I now also replace cat amongst the pigeons with cat monkey pigeon whenever the opportunity arises, and it still makes me laugh, thanks, Merry Christmas. Let's
0: put the cat monkey pigeon. That doesn't even work, does it? No, I don't think you you wouldn't do the build-ups. If, that, if you're in that situation where someone had put the cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah, but you can't just
2: say cat, cat amongst the pigeons. Cat monkey
0: pigeon. Cat
2: monkey pigeon. Oh, cat monkey pigeon. Cat monkey pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Luke Very Thank good. you for that. That's now in my lexicon. Have you got one?
0: Yeah, here's one from, um, from Prue from Oz Squadron. Oh, mate. Now, Prue, the question is Am I going to read your message out in an offensive Australian accent? What do you think the answer is? Yes. Let's see if you're right. Dear Count Buckelees and Dr. Sexy, according to my mother-in-law, my father-in-law's prostrate is in good health since the radiotherapy. That's a common one, people going for prostrate. Yeah,
2: I do that. I did that the other day.
0: Um, and do you know what the definition of prostrate is if you're yes, lying to prostrate? to like supine. I think supine is the opposite of prostrate. Oh, my God. I think if you're supine, you're on your back. If you're prostrate, you're on your front. Supine, a person lying face upwards, failing to act
2: or protest a result of moral weakness or indolence. There you go. Whereas, what Prost- is the other one?
0: Prostrate, you're either on your hands and knees or you're face down. I actually still don't know how to spell either of those words, so I can't even look them up. So I'll just agree. With them. yep. strate. Don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone with a t shirt in the street the other day. Uh, in, in Barcelona, this was. And it was a young woman walking down the street with a t shirt that said, don't know, don't care. That's a good attitude. What the shit is going on there? She's just a really thick woman. But she didn't look it. She looked like a ter- perfectly normal, intelligent don't know, don't person. Care. Don't know, don't care. Don't know, good, don't good care.
2: Good attitude, good attitude, good attitude. What? Here's another so one. Just... Do you want another one? Yeah.
0: For This is from James
2: Bamkin. Bamkin. Bamkin, I think. Unless, Bumkin. No, Bamkin. Unless I typed it in wrong, I'm but. gonna select all and enlarge to two hundred percent. And it's Bamkin, B-A-M-K-I-N. Uh-huh. He says, and now I'm gonna have to select all Bumpkin and reduce again to 125. <laughs> he says, This may well be a common acorn, but my colleague Gemma calls post-it notes POSTICS, which is a significant improvement and avoids copyright infringement when using generic brand sticky notes. Postics. Postic. Could you pass me a Postic, please? P O S T I C K S. Postics. A Postic.
0: A Postic. They have a yeah, Postic. that's perfect. Ed Corn because it's got an internal logic to it. Yes,
2: it's like I would even think of launching a rival brand. Right. its called Postics. It's better than Post. Better than Postics. It's more memorable. A it postic. sounds like Pustics. You could uh, get yeah. the A.A. Milne. People to allow you Estate. to license yeah. a state to license Winnie the Pooh sticks. post And then there could be an advert where Winnie the Pooh's throwing paper into a stream. People would love that.
0: He would be throwing little notes
2: into the little stream. Little notes into the stream. And then it would end with a picture of like the stream all bunged up with uh, post sticks and dead fish. And then, <laughs> and then it would
0: be Winnie the Pooh being arrested by the Environmental yes, Protection Agency. by the Agency. National Trust. Yeah.
2: But then the Environmental Protection Agency using post sticks to Make a note details about his arrest.
0: Yes. <laughs> We thought it all through.
2: We thought it all the way through. Thanks very much, James Bamkin. Aaron Davey says One time we were playing super strongbow versus special brew football for a friend's birthday. I assume that's the empty plastic bottles, like a can versus a strongbow bottle, maybe. Or well, maybe one team is absolutely hammered on one and <laughs> the other team is staggering <laughs> around on the other. That's true. I would have thought the strongbow would lose. Uh-huh. Don't you think? Yeah. Side, cider versus special. Well, both pretty strong. One time we were playing Super Strongbow versus Special Brew Football for a friend's birthday. And my friend Emma said, put a willy in it instead of put some welly in it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we had a good laugh when she didn't get what was funny and had always thought that was what it was. Come on, put a willy it. in it. Come on, mate. Put a willy put in it. Put a bit of it.
1: willy in it. <laughs>
2: It's not something you want to go around saying, really. It could get you in a difficult situation. <laughs> yeah, or, an, that or a suddenly pleasurable situation. Is not cool. That is not cool. Hey. Hey, come along. S-M-H. Anna Bowen. My friend recently emailed his boss describing how a work-related scenario had the potential to escalate into a bum fight. His boss replied to say that while he was intrigued by the prospect of a bum fight, <laughs> he was pretty sure he meant bun fight. Undeterred by this polite correction, my boyfriend shot back that he was confident that the expression is bum fight <laughs> because I've been saying it my whole life. A bum
0: fight. Sure. How would, how would a bum fight work? Well, you
2: just slam your naked buttocks into someone else's naked buttocks, and it you could can't be quite use bruising. You
0: can't use hands. No, you're, no, no. It's no. just
2: purely a bum-based fight. Mm-hmm. And you, the winning move would be to knock the other person over and sit on their face.
0: And you, oh, mate.
2: <laughs> Maybe and you'd you, have trousers on for that
0: because obviously a there's bottom. a lot of potential for the bum fight to get sexy, depending on not who you're really. What? If you're your fighting... backs are to one another. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> what would you end up doing? Ooh. Come on, you're A rubbing your fight. naked bottom against someone else's... Oh, well, no,
2: I had the jeans back on because of the face-sitting.
0: <laughs>
2: Maybe you have to put the jeans on if it comes to face-sitting. No, but then how could you possibly make you know make your final move be part... Because I'm thinking that's the... drive tra- Oh! <laughs> Oh, and sat right on him. He's not getting up from that one. Wriggling around. <laughs> you know, a big side swipe
0: with the. Hey, oh, oh, yeah. I think I think you do have to have trousers. T-H-E-A-D-A-M,
1: That's the podcast groove, baby. Jungle groove. Do you like the jungle? Yes. Of course. Watch out for the Tim Pines. T-H-E-A-D-A-M. J-O-E. E-O-D-C-A-S T, that's the podcast group, baby. House crew. Uh, should I like get in the house? No. Then maybe you shouldn't be
2: here. I have this theory, right? That if you're a certain level of famous, you have a catchphrase. But if you're sort of sewn into the culture, you have a catch noise. Mm. A non-verbal catch noise. Catch noise. So does Ken have a catch noise? Uh. There you are. <laughs> That's a catch noise. So I'm gonna say some words to you and I want you to do the catch noise. Oh. Are you ready? Okay. Hannibal Lecter.
0: Darth Vader. Oh no, Peter Serafinovich does it like this, doesn't he? He does it better than that. Tim Allen.
2: Marge Simpson. Tarzan. Oh, 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 oh. Donald Duck.
1: Quack, quack, quack.
2: <laughs> I don't know. What does he do? Quack, 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 quack. Ah. Beavis and or Butthead.
0: <laughs> this is a good theory, right? This is good. Wait, can I say wait. I'm acing it as well? Except for Donald it. Duck. I was nervous <laughs> when I started, but now I'm confident. <laughs> do more. I got one more. Pierce
2: Brosnan. Yeah, (laughs) that's him really
0: trying to act powerfully (laughs) and of course Bronholm's uh, actual word catchphrase but the word catchphrase is kind of in the lavvy now after this year don't you think (laughs) post-Brexit what Uh, someone suggested you should do a a Bronholm t-shirt with maybe you shouldn't be living here on it but then it was pointed out quite rightly that Post Brexit, going around with a T-shirt oh, that yeah. says "Maybe you shouldn't be living here." Yeah, that's true. Doesn't really align you with the. Um, that's very true. Most desirable
2: <laughs> I set. Thought of that. He's so ahead of his time in every way, Bronholt. No. Carry on with the noises. Uh, I've only got two more. Eddie Murphy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> finally, that the horse really from Warhorse. The horse from War Horse. <laughs> Yoda's a good one. <laughs> that would be Yoda no, That's like Royce. Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Well, they're all the same. There's only a certain range of Basically, noises. it all comes back to Tim Allen, doesn't it? It's true. At the end of the day. It's true. I think we should end that segment on that note. That's a good segment, man. Thanks, man. That's it from me.
0: That's str- that is
1: strong. This year, why not spend Christmas with the unique voice of a generation? yourself a merry little christmas bob dylan brings you your favorite christmas classics as you've never heard them before frosty the snowman he's the frozen water guy he's got an icy heart and he cannot fart because the heat would make him die Bob Dylan, back to his brilliant best, says Mojo Magazine. Could you lend us a pee for a cup of tea for the sake of old things
0: <coughs> This is the first time these festive oh, classics have been available on one album.
1: Ding dong, merrily i high, the Christmas bells are ringing Let Bob
0: Dylan into your house this season, because Christmas without Bobbles just isn't
1: Christmas.
0: (laughs) Bobbles, speaking of legends, coming up to Bowie's birthday and death day, of course. And I'm sure you can expect quite a few xavid related bits and pieces taking place in various media in January. But I just wanted to flag a couple of big British castle offerings... Mary Ann Hobbs will be doing a special Bowie show on Six Music that goes out on the morning of the 8th of January, which would have been Bowie's 70th birthday, and I think they may be repeating my Bowie radio ramble from 2013 on that day too, a two-hour kind of personalised documentary that I did about Bowie, and the night before on the 7th of January 2017 at 9pm on BBC2, you can see a documentary called David Bowie, The Last Five Years. It's directed by Francis Watley, and he made the 2013 doc about Xavid, which was just called Five Years, and focused on five separate important years in Bowie's career. And that, for me, was just about the best thing I've seen about Bowie, certainly on TV. Brilliant archive, amazing interviews with... Carlos Alomar and many of Bowie's key collaborators. So I'm really looking forward to this new one the last five years. On the 7th of January 9pm BBC 2. So there you go, that's Bowie. My dad, of course, passed away just five weeks before Bowie last year. And just a couple of months after that I talked to comedian Ad Lloyd for her podcast which is called Griefcast. And she interviews uh, comedians only at the moment about their experiences of grief in various forms. I know Sarah Pascoe's done another one and she's got several others there. I think I was in the first one talking about losing my pa. Um, And it's a mixture of, you know, it's not all miserable, I hope. But I tried to be as honest as I possibly could. And I talked to my brother and sister. They listened to the program before it went out. I didn't want to betray any confidences because I came out of the podcast feeling that I'd been very honest and maybe a little too honest about uh, how I felt. Um, but I'm glad I did it. And Carriad's really a, a great person to have a conversation with. And I, I, I really recommend that grief cast. But right now, other recommendations from Cornballs this time for films that you may have missed in 2016.
2: All night garage, all night garage, Christmas shopping at the all night garage, all night garage, all night garage, Christmas shopping at the all night garage.
0: So, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I thought it would be fun to hear some of your cultural highlights from the year. Give yes. us a few recommendations for the podcast because you're often into interesting
2: stuff. Well, that's very kind of you to say and, yeah, I wrote a big list of stuff, and I, I tried to... I was thinking that, like, this year was a bit shit. Well, yeah. And that seems to be the popular opinion, isn't it? Because of so many famous people passing away and various difficult things happening in the world. But actually, when I sat down to write a list of all the fun business, I realised it was actually quite wicked. Some good stuff. Some really good stuff. So I would... I'd rattle off some films, right? Yeah, do it. And these are not, like, big Hollywood films. These are, like, films that are, that are a bit out of the way... But I'd say Son of Saul by Laszlo Nemes. What's that all about? Uh, it's a concentration camp film, oh, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. Son of Saul, Sing Street. I loved Sing Street. I loved Sing, Sing, Sing Street. Street?
0: It, yeah, it's very sort of straightforward and slight. Fantastic. John Carney. Made, made yeah, absolutely feel good. Yeah. Um, Garth Jennings recommended that to me. Yes,
2: and um, one of, I think the happiest I've been in the cinema this year yeah. was watching Sing Street, especially if loved you're an it. '80s kid. Yeah. And Or somebody who was a sort of bit of a theatre ponce at school mm. or a music ponce the quick, at school. And the quick synopsis? It's a sort of love story. It's, it's about a kid forming a band at school in the 80s. In Ireland. Yeah, in Ireland. And watching Top of the Pops and basically copying all those uh, new romantic bands. And and that's all you need to know. Going really.
0: through all the different looks. And, yeah, it's, it's like a love letter to 80s pop of all different kinds. Yes. Yeah, that was uh,
2: great. Uh, there's a movie called Little Men. Little Men, what's that? Directed called? by Ira Sachs. Is it set by- in New York. Is about gnomes? Uh, it's not about gnomes. Oh. It's not about gnomes, I'm sorry to say. It's very good. You just need to watch it. It's a little uh, sensitive drama about two kids. Oh, I have kids. heard about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I really recommend it. I recommend Things to Come, directed by Mia Hansen-Love. Things to Come? Yeah. I've never even heard of that one. I know there's an old sci-fi movie called yeah. Things to Come, but this is a French film oh. about the woman who teaches philosophy. Oh, this a very offensive accent. Yeah. <laughs> it probably is. It is. Uh, but she's really good Mia Hansen. Love. She made Eden, I'm which seen. is an excellent film all yeah. about dance music. Uh, she also made a couple of other films. She's really good. Mm. I recommend everything Mia Hansen-Love does, but Things to Come is excellent. Things to Come. What's it about, though? It's about a woman that teaches philosophy in Paris. Oh, did you say that? Yes. I wasn't listening to But that's to all right. It's not a particularly compelling hook. Right. But I'm not going to tell you much about these films. You just check them out. You can put them into the internet. Right. See if they tickle your fancy. But they're really good. They're like, I, I don't know, something this year about uh, films that are about, like, you know, real things. Mm-hmm. And proper people and things that people really feel. Human
0: interaction.
2: Yeah, have been really hitting home with me. Yeah, man. I've been feeling a bit less compelled towards the big old pizzas.
0: Explosions and special yeah, effects.
2: Yeah. I've felt that way for quite samey. a while. Yeah. And I've found it really cool and rewarding to actually watch films about real, relatable emotions and so things. So, you haven't seen Fantastic Beasts? And I'm trying. To, I'm trying to
1: do the <laughs> yeah, your Eddie Redmayne accent. He kind of does a, a sort of special, weird voice plus the Eddie Redmayne way of speaking oh. on Fantastic Beasts. I think what you had to do to do the Eddie Redmayne accent is to stiffen your top lip, oh. and then to be quite posh. But and... that's classic. Stiffen the top lip
2: is a Radcliffe move. Isn't is it for it? Like yes. Harry,
1: Harry Potter? And you have to kind of talk low. Low, listen. You have to mumble quite a little bit as well. Do oh, a little bit you're making
2: it sound really good.
1: do so mumbly.
0: Before we go back to your yes, left field cultural list, list, yes, can I just ask you yes. about the whole beasts, fantastic beasts? I have which, to say, which I you have haven't seen, seen. I haven't no. seen fantastic beasts. I do, I do want to see it. I mean to see well, it. Well, I watched it with my uh, kind. They enjoyed it greatly. However, my stupid linear logic brain makes it almost impossible for me to enjoy these things anymore, because. I, and I love magic, and I understand mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of suspension of disbelief that needs to Required. take place for you to enjoy yourself in these kinds of movies. However, when they were going into some big magic office block thing in this movie, right, there's loads of magic things happening
1: everywhere mm. you look.
2: Mm-hmm. It's exactly like Mr Majorium's it's Wonder It's exactly Emporium. like Mr Majorium's Wonder
0: Emporium. Which is also in New York. Is it? Yeah. Run by Dustin Hoffman. Sure. And one of the things you see in this magical place place. Big marble floors, right? And you see a couple of mops, unat- oh, unattended, cheeky, unattended mops. by humans yes, or any other up. creature, mopping themselves, just like the sorcerer's apprentice. Exactly like exactly. the sorcerer's magic mops. All right, if you can magic mops to mop up a, a large expanse of marble flooring, oh. why can't you just magic the marble flooring clean? Because you still need the utensil.
2: What? To do the mopping. No, you don't. You just magic
0: mop to mop a floor. No, no, no. no, no. You're, you're,
2: animating, you're animating something. You're, that... you're bringing it to life. Yeah, but in this Animatatus film... Animatatus mopinta, for instance, might be the spell. And you're bringing the mop to life. You're giving it sentience. Uh-huh. And then it does its job because it's a mop. And that's what its raison d'etre is. Right. You can't say to a floor, clean yourself. A floor's job is to provide solidity. Like if you animated a floor, all it would do is go, get off me, get off <laughs> stop me, stop standing on me. Or maybe because no, it would please walk on me. Oh, it feels nice yeah. to be stamped on. Sit with, sit <laughs> on me with your bottom. Oh, bottoms. <laughs> That's what the floor says. But if you'd actually, oh, you dropped some things. I oh, caught them for you. Oh no, because it's got no hands. I know, but I caught it on my face. You caught it on your face. I've got a very wide, big face. I don't what's on the other side like the, moon. I like the moon but no but unless you you see it's not like you're giving it if you gave it a mouth and eyes uh-huh. then it could it could lick itself <laughs> clean <laughs> but no one's giving shit mouth and eyes right no the mops don't have mouths and eyes no. they just they just become animated have i cleared this up for you a little bit a however little bit. how do you deal with this that's a good
0: that's a but good that's a very good line of reasoning thanks very yeah, much but... mate in other areas in the film, for example, yes. buildings get destroyed and sure. streets get absolutely trashed. Yes, then they just magic them back together, and all I the bricks all fly the back backwards. Yes. Yeah. So, what exactly is at stake in this world? Nothing. I mean, everything no. is
2: everything is reparable. Yeah. There's some big sort Why of you... cloud of evil or something, someone told me, over the city they're, they're, or something. I'll tell
0: you what they've got. They've got the plug-in of evil. That yes, it, every was written, single... it was
2: written very fast. <clears throat> they had a choice to do that or Ricky Gervais's Flanimals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, men, take us back to your cultural highlights.
2: Okay, I'm rattling off films. Our Little Sister by Hideo Kurida. He's fantastic, Japanese filmmaker, really good.
0: Our Little Sister, what, what have we got in there? You got uh, monsters these fighting no, each no, no, other. No, 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 no. You've got these
2: sisters who discover they've got another sister, and she comes to live with them, and it's really good. Uh-huh. Patterson, Jim Jarmusch. Did right. you watch that yet?
0: No, not yet. Loved that. I'm not usually the biggest Jim Jarmusch fan. Me neither, fan. but this one's really good. Right? Yeah, it's a little puzzle box of a film. It's
2: really good. And that's Adam Driver, isn't it? That is Adam Driver. He's yeah. very talented, isn't he? Wolf and sheep. Wolf and Sheep? Yeah, Wolf and Sheep. Is that a bloke? <laughs> it's not the sequel to Wolfen. Franz Wolf and Sheep. Wolf and Sheep. It's a film about uh, children goat herders in Afghanistan. And hmm. that doesn't sound good, does it? But it's excellent. It doesn't sound action-packed. It's really good. Uh-huh. Wolf and Sheep is directed by Shabanu Sadat. Uh-huh. And I highly recommend it. All these movies are on iTunes. And then in terms of American business, I quite enjoyed The Conjuring 2. Oh, right. Quite enjoyed it. Set in Britain. Based on the Enfield poltergeist. Ah, yeah. There's some quite good twizzly twuzzles in it. Right. Twisty turny jump scares. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And also other American stuff I enjoyed this year was Hacksaw Ridge. I saw that. Oh, boy. Mate. Loved it. I mean, Solid. we're big fans of Apocalypto, right? I think Apocalypto's terrific. Yeah, me too. And Hacksaw Ridge, boy oh boys. And so-
0: some people would blanket um, boycott that kind of thing because of Gibbons, right? Well, no, we all make mistakes. Look at me on the Apple helpline.
2: Look at me on the Euston concourse. Look at um, Mel Gibbons on, in his car on the road. <laughs> <I'm> spouting <laughs> <or in> anti-Semitic <laughs> Nonsense. But Hacksaw Ridge, man, you know, it's quite sort of over the top and uh, melodramatic and... Um, it reminded me of like the first time I saw Platoon or uh, Brian De Palma's Casualty of War, like those really meaty '80s and early '90s war films that had massive, chunky moral quandaries at the centre, mm-hmm. and knew exactly what they were about, and weren't afraid to just grab this ethical dilemma by the throat and slam you in the face with it for mm-hmm. an hour. And the the what the sequence on Hacksaw Ridge itself is relentless and brutal and. Excellent. It's very exciting. I mean,
0: it's like war porn at certain points. Yeah,
2: but it's allowed to be because that's what it's about, isn't it? It's about, it's showing you in no uncertain terms what kind of business went on. Yeah, no, it's definitely. But that's the thing about Mel Gibbons in his new incarnation. He's not. It's like the character from Lethal Weapon was actually directing films. Mm -hmm. It's like he's taken that slight sort of. um, Manic. Manic doesn't intensity, exactly. And it's actually informing his films. And in something like Passion of the Christ, it was a bit unsettling. Because Passion of the Christ is quite an extreme, weird. Almost like The Exorcist in places. Like, properly. Uh, so we're done with such conviction and faith, it's almost disturbing. Uh-huh. And there's the same little seam of irrational, just crazy conviction in Hacksaw Ridge. But man, I loved it.
1: The holiday horn, it goes to... do. Holiday time. Have a carrot, have two carrots. Go to the toilet, take your time.
0: Part of the live show with Joe recently featured a few audio clips that had been sent in by Black Squadron member Stephen Reed. They featured myself and Joe talking on the radio several years ago about various things that seem to have come to pass in a way that suggests we may have special powers of foresight. Here, for example, is Joe suggesting some possible new directions for video game company Nintendo, a full eight years before the arrival of Pokemon Go.
2: And word on the street is they're going to announce some big innovation. But I thought we could try and, you know, one up them or spoil the whole thing by by outguessing them on on this show because <laughs> all the Nintendo people listen to this show.
0: Absolutely. Have you been speculating on what that innovation might be then, Joe?
2: I have. And it basically has cameras mounted on the outside that scan in the real world. But it translates them into cute little animals. All you see (laughs) is turtles and mushroom men and
0: little pink... um, (laughs) Can I ask you, Joe, at what time did you think of this idea? Ten minutes after I'd taken the LSD. That was Joe talking in 2008 and you could hear Garth Jennings... Giggling there in the background. He was filling in for me in London because I was coming down the line from a broom cupboard in BBC Norwich because my daughter Hope was about to be born. And on that same show, uh, we played a track by TV on the radio. And afterwards, I appeared to predict the whole concept... Of commentating on TV programs as entertainment. Has anyone ever done that? Like a TV show with people just commentating on the television program? Uh, a radio show, rather. With That's a good just idea. So
2: you'd have a radio station that was non stop commentary on what's on the
0: telly. That's a very good That's idea. A great idea. Save you having to actually watch it. Five years later, in 2013, Channel 4 TV in the UK broadcast the first episode of Gogglebox. The BAFTA award-winning show in which groups of families and friends are filmed watching a selection of the week's TV and commenting on it. Eerie or totally unrelated? I think we all know the answer to that. I like Gogglebox, even though I was one of the people who initially felt dismayed by the concept of sitting in a room watching a TV show in which other people sit in rooms watching TV shows. But I quickly realised that, of course, the fun was in forming a familiarity with the groups of people on the show and looking forward to being entertained or irritated by what they had to say. I know Joe likes Gogglebox too, so during the live show at the BFI, I showed him in the audience a picture of nine Gogglebox regulars and asked how many he could identify. One of the pictures was of the Moffat family, whose daughter Scarlett took a break from commentating on other people in TV programmes and became one of those people herself when she was crowned Queen of the Jungle in reality show I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Scarlett's appearance on I'm a Celebrity provided Gogglebox with the dilemma of to what extent it should journey into its own fundament and show the Goggleboxers commenting on a TV show that featured one of their own. In the end, they didn't show many clips of I'm a Celebrity in the three weeks that it was running, but when Scarlett won the show, it would have been weird if they hadn't done. Even so... Gogglebox viewers were not satisfied. Here's a news story from The Sun. The Gogglebox families were branded fuming and jealous after they were seen reacting to Scarlett Moffat's I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here win viewers of the Channel 4 programme had been questioning why scenes from the jungle had not been aired. This is news. Everyone knows this, right? But on Friday, producers chose to include footage of Scarlet being crowned Queen of the Jungle. However, fans of the reality show were left disappointed by the reactions of the tele-watching families, who did not appear impressed by the results. Were they angry that they were forced to watch one of their own? People did not... ...think that the Gogglebox families were showing Scarlett the proper respect and enthusiasm. And they got on social media... But the Gogglebox people are like you. They're worried that there's some sort of black hole
2: will open. Because they're viewing one of themselves. Yeah. It's like uh, Interstellar. Exactly. (laughs) Isn't it when he prods the bookshelf from the other dimension? Yes. Like she, like out. if she watched that, she would turn inside
0: out and all her guts would be on the floor. <laughs> it's not safe. Here are some of the uh, social media comments. A bit disappointed by the reaction to Scarlett Moffat winning I'm a Celebrity by her fellow Goggleboxers. #Gogglebox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what really rams it home. The hashtag. Do you want the Gogglebox Challenge, Jake Horn? How many of those Gogglebox families can you name? Beginning, top, uh, left. None of them.
2: (laughs) Absolutely none of them.
0: Come on, you can name the top left. What's
2: happened to the weird ones with all the cats? The ones with the the cats? Like the couple and the woman's in the chair and... (laughs) Oh, yeah, I haven't got... I could only fit nine on the screen.
0: These are my nine favourites slash most annoying. And the top right... That The top left, sorry, is that's, of course, the Moffats. And then in the middle, you've got Stephen and Chris. I love them. They're pretty reliably hilarious, I think. Don't you, Stephen and Chris? Yeah. They're my favourite guys. I don't know. They've all got a bit self-conscious,
2: haven't they? Yeah, well, of course. It was bound to happen. It was bound to happen. June I, and Leon, I, I like the middle ladies because they're Brixton
0: and I live in Brixton. They haven't been in the series recently. The Gilbys, what the Gilbys do is just describe what is happening on the screen. <laughs> that's their MO. Like, if they're watching Planet Earth, they'll go...
1: Oh, the cat's crawled up on the <laughs> side and now he's come down.
0: Yeah, but there's something... <laughs>
1: uh-huh. He thinks he's going to get the mouse, but he's not.
2: There's something reassuring about that because it's telling the public that we're all seeing the same things. Because the world is... Life is very abstract oh, and it's no, reassuring. The, oh,
1: no, the buffalo's got a tiger on his back. Oh, no, he's trying to shake it off, but he can't. And now he has! <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what the Gilbys mainly do. Sandy and Sandra are operating in their own universe, and they haven't been around for this series. Apparently they just hang out, like, you can go to the pub in... Yeah, yeah, I've seen her in Brixton. Yeah, yeah. The one on the right. The Siddiquis are probably the best. I mean, they're the ones that make you least sad about the state of... Uh, yeah, they're, they're dry. Of Britain, yeah. And then you've got the Michaels. I'm not so sure about the Michaels. Well, they're very self-aware, like I say, and... Uh, He's, yeah, I, I mean, I I, not, not that it's a political thing, but uh, Mr. Michael is a, a UKIP member. But the son... Um, I can't deal with his voice.
1: He's like, everything's like, what is he doing? What are they doing?
0: can't do that. <laughs> That's not cool to mock someone's voice, is it? It's no, I'm, st- I'm,
2: st- I'm staying it. out of that. I'm staying passive in this t- item.
1: Oh, I love that. It. It's okay. Oh, my God, no.
0: <laughs> and you got Jenny and Lee. I really like Jenny and Lee. Yeah, they're they're nice. in the caravan in Liverpool, wherever, I don't know. And then these guys. Where? Sorry? Hull. Hull. I apologize. <laughs> Racist. And then you've got the Verden Verbals. The Verden Verbals. I didn't even know they were called the Verden Verbs. There was a, a boy that has vanished, right? Yeah, there was a, a guy who never used to speak who would sit yeah, there. Yeah, he had funny hair, then he radically changed his hair, then he vanished. The verdant variables, I, I do like him. He sits there. This is the big giant German guy with his vape. Yeah. He's totally inscrutable. You can't really tell which way he's going to go on whatever he's watching. He wears this look of kind of permanent disgust or amazement. It's a bit like bod. Um, which way is he going to go? Strawberry milkshake? chocolate and at the end he's like that's so brilliant i love it i love it it's so brilliant or maybe
1: it'll be that's terrible they should not be allowed to do that it's not a
2: good impersonation and you're missing funny cat lady
0: this is the family with the big pile of donuts. No, in no, the there's center.
2: just two of them. There you go. Gi- oh, the posh ones. Very, yeah, they're quite posh. The house is huge and there's only two of them in it. The guy who calls his wife Nutty.
1: Charles
2: <laughs> and, and Mary. Charles and Mary, there we go. It's becoming frustrating for the audience. <laughs> this is never a problem on the radio because you're muted. But now that they're actually alive and in the room, you can really feel the anger
0: yeah. <laughs> at the level of ignorance on the stage. If we were worried about civilization ending when Gogglebox started, now we are commentating not only on Gogglebox, <laughs> but it's not even moving, it's still images of the people on Gogglebox. But I was in a voiceover session speaking of accents the other day. Quite a long one, three hours. And we take a break halfway through because I wanted to send this large file and they I knew they had fast Wi-Fi. And one of the producers in the voice session was this Austrian guy, right? Hadn't worked with him before. He was very nice. He looked a bit like Jeremy Renner with a sort of neat beard. And lovely looking. And a bit more tan. Yeah, he's lovely, nice lovely looking. looking. He's Austrian, so he's got a nice, sophisticated Austrian, you know, kind of Germanic accent. Oh, yes. And his, uh, he p- pulled me up on something I'd suggested oh. in the voiceover. Uh, we were talking about wild camping, and I and he said, It'd be nice to have a bit of a joke here. And I said, Well, you could say something like, and you don't even have to be wild or camp to enjoy it. And he said, Hmm, sounds maybe a little bit homophobic. Yes. I said, no, 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 it's the opposite, because it's like I'm saying you should be wild and camp, but if you're not, it's okay, we'll let it slide. Mm, I don't know, I'm with Jeremy Renner. Are you? Anyway, so he's, so he's, he's, he's a nice guy. And uh, halfway through the session, I go out and I use the Wi-Fi, right? In the, in the, to in the download room. a couple of illegal movies. Uh, no, I was sending a, right. uh, sending a podcast. Um, it was very fast, though, and I saw how fast the file was going. Whoa. And do you, do you get excited about the super fast speeds? No. <laughs> oh, I do. Because I live in the country. So yes. It's a novelty for us. And I'm right in front of the, the producer guy. He sat over there on his laptop. And so I say to myself, I start saying to myself, oh, my God, look at how fast this Wi-Fi is in going. In that voice. In this voice. Because yes. it's one of my silly voices, right? Yes. Now. It's sort of Austrian. Well, right. Yes. <laughs> so I'm doing this voice. Are you near an open microphone? No, he was right in front of me in the oh, room. Oh, he's in front of you. Yeah, he's yes. in front of me in the room. And I'm looking down at the computer and I'm saying to myself, like, oh, my gosh, look how fast this file is going. I can't believe it. It's the most amazing Wi-Fi. It's blowing my mind with the speed of this thing. So, yeah, it's kind of generic Euro voice, but it's one of my, like, four or five voices. Yes, that it's I... tricky, though. I can see the situation might yeah. be a bit tricky. So I look up. Because as I'm doing it, yes. suddenly I, th- I think, <laughs> oh, he's Austrian, isn't he? And I look up and he is staring at me with his mouth agape. Agape, agog. Yeah. Just with a look on his face like, what is your problem? Yeah. And so I go, sorry, did you think I was like taking the mick out of your accent or something? And he said, that's not what you were doing? Yikes. Yikes. I was like, no, no, it's not. I was just doing, like, a silly voice. Oh, my God. He's like a like oh, Ricky Gervais It really was. He said, oh, a silly voice, like mine. And I was like, no, oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> this is awful. It really was. I said, no. It's like, I, you know, I, I've got, like, five or six kind of accents that oh, I do no. when I'm reading out YouTube comments and stuff in my live you shows. You should take your wife everywhere you go. I know. <laughs> I told her this story and she couldn't she had to go out of the room and come back. No. Oh gosh. <laughs> so I spent like wow. you know, and so I kind of laughed it off and I was very aware yes. of the need because it was entirely unconscious. There was no question that it's I would ever one. take the mick out yeah. of his voice. Yeah, 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 like, You've why got to would I? You give
2: people the benefit of the doubt. But it is tough. Like when I'm in America, sometimes American people enjoy they slip into Britishisms. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that, like they'll say, um, "Jolly good," yeah, right, or and stuff like that, just because it's enjoy, it's yeah, it's just enjoyable, yeah, yeah. But it's a you bit don't get like, upset though, do you? You don't get offended, not at all. But it's very broad, yeah. Like defining somebody by their nationality, but then is not-, not no, I know. Obviously, like in yours, like it, it's it's like me going, oh, that's really great. Like if I had an American friend round, it's just a bit reductive. Yeah, would be the word, but it's very easy to do. I mean, our Australian accents aren't like that at all? No, mate. Aren't they? <laughs> they're not offensive. <laughs> they're not offensive. They're not supposed we discuss to... We be... discussed this on the radio, though. Yeah. There's something about... Um, but maybe they are offended. That's the thing. Maybe they but
0: are, are, but there are people they're so bad. there are people who would be offended and who would just be annoyed and who would just go, why are you doing that stupid accent? What's funny about it? The world is changing very fast. It is. And we are um, being left behind. But this guy... And I kept on. Dinosaurs. I kept on digging myself in deeper, trying oh, to explain the situation. How many,
2: how many days between the railway incident oh, it was a and long this time. incident? Oh, a long time. Good. I mean,
0: there was no, there was no anger here, and this guy was absolutely fine, and we left, we parted on entirely amicable terms, and I think he did believe me at a certain point that right. there was no. I was like, I'm not insane. I'm not going to like start taking the Mick out of your accent to your face. Why would I do that? I mean, I know essentially that's what I've done in your eyes, but that's not what I meant to do at all. And I don't think there's anything inherently stupid about this accent. I just like doing the accent. And then I started saying stuff like, you know, because why would I take the Mick out of someone with an accent? Every time I hear someone with an accent, all I can think is, wow, you can speak one more language than me at least. And that's mm. impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, and he... That's good. Oh, good. Oh, back you forward, forward good? Peddling, back I peddling. told my wife about that bit of peddling and she was not happy with that.
2: I just think, um, (laughs) I just definitely think cognitive behaviour therapy, (laughs) a lot of it.
0: That's the message. (laughs) At the end of the podcast, I'm going to give some shout-outs to the people who made little videos for some of our old Adam and Joe 6 music jingles, many of which we played during the live show recently. But there's also a few people who, over the years, have taken snippets of conversation between myself and Joe from various things we've done and provided animation for them just off their own bat. There's a guy who calls himself Sketchy Magpie, for example, who's posted some great ones on YouTube. But musician and illustrator Jamie Lenman made a brand new one for the live show recently, featuring Joe and me talking on BBC Six Music in April 2011, the week before Prince William was married to Kate Middleton. It was an opportunity for our friend, the Queen, to pay one of her regular visits to the Six Music studio. There's a link to Jamie Lenman's video on my blog, as well as uh, many of those other jingle videos. He's done an amazing job with this Queen conversation. But here is that original exchange, followed by Joe at our live show, telling me for the first time about a genuine royal encounter that I never knew he'd had shortly after the release of his film Attack the Block. Waiting in the antechamber through the whole uh, show
2: with an enormous retinue of security guards and bodyguards. It's been an enormous palaver here this morning at the castle. We're very honoured to <coughs> welcome into the studio the Queen.
1: A laura, laura, blind a day, toss a lully, lully, good boy, nice no, now, Your, Your Majesty,
2: uh, there's a big event coming up next week, isn't there?
1: Oh, Blinded Data, a so Laura, Laura, Lully Couple again. Weezy and Willie, Katie, it's a nice, nice, a Laura, Laura.
2: It's a wedding, isn't
1: there? It's a nice wedding. Look, look, a Lully Willy. <laughs> and Katie. What, what are you going to get um,
2: the royal couple for? Their, uh, wedding present. I heard you might be getting them some bedding.
1: A lolly, lolly, lolly bit of bedding. What? <laughs> For the wedding. Wedding bedding. That's a nice couple of lolly people getting married. Katie, Willie getting married. Got some wedding bedding, Laura, Laura. <laughs> And I hear they And I got a lolly lolly thingy couple in the toaster. Makes a face on the toaster. Willie and Cat on the toaster, <laughs> lolly couple. That's good good news. And um, I gotta play, lolly plate, with the face on the plate, for the willing leg like the catty willy <laughs> and the catty face on the plate. <laughs> and they're gonna give it to us this lolly couple of blinder data.
2: Are you upset that the 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 royal couple didn't actually meet on an episode of, of Blinder Data?
1: A little, a little bit. What kind of. Are you a prince? What kind of prince were you, boy? A lovely couple, it would have been nice, but you can't have everything,
2: a blinded data. You seem a little bit angry, uh, Your Highness. Are no. you
1: tense? Are you, t- <laughs> Are you tense? I'm happy, i couple. Are you alright?
2: I'm Do you need to go? Lord, no,
1: no, you got to go. We kept you. got yeah, to go. go.
2: <laughs> we kept you waiting too long, didn't L- we? lovely
1: couple, blinded data, bye! <laughs>
2: <laughs> there she goes. Wow, that was a, a, an interview with the Queen, a slightly uh, irritable Queen, but then it is a very tense... She's got movie. a lot on her plate. She's got a lot on her, royal, on, her, her on her collectible plate. On her
0: collectible plate. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Lenman so uh, is responsible for that. <clears throat> and now... Joe, you have a, a royal-related story, though. Well, I, like when I made my film, I got invited
2: to this thing in L.A. that BAFTA did where we met Willie and Katie. No. So it was this thing, like, to promote British film in Hollywood. And people who'd made really like films yeah. were invited to it. And so we went to this big theatre and we got taken into this little antechamber and, and a royal, uh, what would you call it, foot servant uh, person said... Uh, okay, this is what you've got to do, this is how you've got to behave. Like, look, people here have met... Who here has met one of the royal family or spoken to the royal family? There's one gentleman there, like quite a few people. And you get told how to behave, right? You're not allowed to ask them questions. You have to respond. You, you, you've got to do certain, like, handshakes and shit. You're not allowed to get selfies. You're not allowed to get selfies, no. You're not allowed to um, flick the nips. It's tempting, but you're not allowed to. Sure. Anyway, so there was this big build-up, and eventually Willis, Willis and Katie came in. And uh, they're very much bigger, taller. They're very tall. Like, Hi. I could look Prince William in the eye, which is unusual, because I'm quite tall. And she's almost as tall as him. Whoa. Mostly famous people are much smaller than you think they are, but they were huge, sort of genetically modified, like, <laughs> enormous. I was standing next to a producer, and uh, the foot servant said, and this is Joe Cornish, She's a director, this is so-and-so, he's a producer. And Prince William said, and what's the difference between a director and a producer? Oh, that's a great question. Is it? Because I was puzzled. I thought, like, you work with the media a lot. And I had this theory that I discussed with various friends, like, is that a purposely dumb question? That royalty deliberately go into a situation and ask something really dumb, just so the conversation can't get anywhere vaguely interesting or controversial. And then, because I'm very sophisticated, I read the London Review of Books, And there was an article by Andrew O'Hagan, who watches that series, The Crown, right? And in this article, he has a little story about meeting the Queen, and he says, I don't think the Queen liked me. She'd seen it all before, the snooping anti-monarchist with the new tie. So she simply passed me to her husband, who asked me, does a novelist write books? (laughs) And I formed a connection between my experience and Andrew O'Hagan's experience, and... And so this must be the deal, right? This must be the way that you deal with public interactions. Like, it's one or the other, right? Either it's a premeditated strategy or they're they're thick.
0: Or they've got snooty radar and they correctly identified you as a big snoop bag. Like, uh, like Andrew O'Hagan. Andrew O'Hagan. What do you mean by a snoop bag? Uh, just someone who's a little bit clever, clever, probably. <laughs> probably, you know, he's made a film. It's what, all right. It's not... I told
2: Prince William when it was coming out on Blu-ray. He didn't seem impressed. He said, he said I haven't seen it. I, like, I want to get to the bottom of this, and I wondered if I could ask the Queen. Right. C- can I ask the Queen? <laughs> I wondered if it was possible to actually ask the Queen herself this question, Your Majesty. Would it be possible to ask the Queen the question of the Queen? Wow, this is really like a kid's party now, isn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> J.R. There we go. Look, Laura, Laura, Joe Kornbos. <laughs> oh, it's a nice and nice film in it, as always, so it's not too bad, but i tell you, when the thing is, when you meet a lot of people, I mean, you know, some <laughs> nice people and some nice people, and some not so fucking nice. And, <laughs> Laura, sometimes you've got to, like, blind a day to kind of keep a conversation a little bit neutral, is And so you have kind of keep it nice and nice, but don't get upset about it. There's no reason for it. Why you do that? Carry on, I don't like your film, it's boring. <laughs> but you've seen it though. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, shut don't... up,
2: Your Highness. <laughs> We've had enough of you. Thank you very
0: much, ladies and gentlemen, the Queen. And now, my lords, ladies and gentlemen, performing her own special musical tribute of a happy couple, her Royal Madge Highness,
1: the Queen. Once upon a time in a lonely university Lived a lonely couple called the Willie and Keta they fell in love when Katie showed her pants at a party And then they went on telly to appear on Blind Data If you were a princess, what kind would you boy? I'd be a really lovely one, I promise you your majesty I won't fix introductions for suitcases of money Or do a sketch on Red Nose Day, even if it's really funny Hmm, thanks Laura Chuck, that sounds good to much. Graham slide the curtain back I think we'll go for Katie Willie and Katie Katie and Willy You're going to have a Laura Lully life Just don't be silly Kate and Prince of Willies Will and Princess Kate are. Just follow my instructions please I am the head of Stata Don't get a stupid butler Who rifles through your pants He'll end up in the jungle With Declan and the ants. Stay clear of P.S. Morgan And other sleazy men Don't want to see Andy Morton Or Martin Bashir again Sometimes the life of a princess can be a royal pain in the hearts. A lulli-cati. Meeting boring people, asking what they do, pretending that you're interested, smiling for the cameras too. When all you want to do Happy fumble, get up, Prince of Willis, Willa Princess Kata, a Laura Laura Lully Coopola, O'Blanda oh, Data, get it, get it, get it, Willie Willie Don't dress up as Nazis, don't get hooked on pills. Get is on a plate, and Willie's on a cup. There's a lot of people watching you, so please don't screw this up. This is an advert
0: for Squarespace. Master Keaton uh, there we go that's the the royal wedding song it's a Christmas classic from 2011 well you know the Queen is Christmassy right in a way that's pretty much it for the podcast for 2016 we made it group hug thanks very much indeed to Joe Cornish for his continued Friendship, loyalty, and good humour. Thanks, man. And uh, thanks to all my guests on the podcast this year. As far as this podcast goes, I hope the plan is for it to return around March or April of 2017. And then it will appear on a more regular basis thereafter. And there's plans to get things more organised, Provide you podcasts with more of what you really need speaking of which i got merch yeah as i speak it's just adam and joe merch t-shirts mugs not machine washable currently the mugs so don't put them in the dishwasher or they'll go weird tote bags put them in the dishwasher etc and uh i'll post a link to the shop in the details for this podcast and on my blog, where here's the address for the blog.
1: i got a blog. Here's <laughs> the address, the address. It's adam-buxton.co.uk,
0: so check it out. There you go. And uh, I'll also do my best to link to some of the wonderful jingle videos that were made specially for the Adam and Joe live show at the BFI on the 15th of December. And I would like to take this opportunity to thank everybody who submitted bits and pieces for that show in the form of uh, messages via my blog, but especially the people that made videos. And I would like to give them a shout out by name right now, which I will do in a kind of football style, the way that I imagine football people speak. So here we go. Thanks so much. Nick Murray-Willis Adam Butcher Fern Bailey Chris Salt The Salt Man Jamie Lenman Michael Obtan Medidi There's not much variety to my football voice, is there? It's basically all the same sort of intonation Matt Partridge Is this what football commentators still sound like? Oh, Chris Randall Holly Veer nice Harry Dwyer love it Ben Sharman Tanya Scott Steve Kirby Tommy Norm Nick Page Uh, that was my wife she was just calling to say that uh, Rosie was home (laughs) she buggered off a while ago quite right it's freezing anyway let me just finish these shout outs uh, where do we get to? Jesse Collett Harry King Moose Allain Woohoo! Haley Akins Mark Rodriguez Ed Barrett and Tom Gran the Granary Man I apologize if I mispronounced any of those names. No disrespect. But thank you so much to all of them. Whoa. It is really Vim Winders. Um, for their hard work. Thanks also to Seamus Murphy Mitchell, who continues to provide invaluable production support. Thanks to Acast, who hosts this podcast currently. And thanks to you. Oh, I've just come over the brow of the hill and the wind is lulled. That's nice. Yeah, thanks for listening to this podcast and recommending it to other people and uh, enabling me to do more or encouraging me to do more and and for the opportunities that doing the podcast provides me. I really enjoyed doing it and I'm looking forward to doing lots more in various forms next year which I hope will be as peaceful and as prosperous as possible for you all. Went kind of... Uh, Sincere and croaky there, didn't I? Hey, listen. Take very good care of yourselves. Until next, we are together. In sound space. I love you.
1: Bye! <laughs> oh,
0: that was a mistake. It's Benlin time. Not currently sponsored by Benlin. say yep. are more amusing than those of other folks. When you hear my joke, I think you'll find that you agree. Come on, you're all invited to a made-up joke party.
2: Samuel Hutchinson says, I've been publishing film-themed jokes on my blog recently. Question, why didn't James Bond Roger Moore? Answer, he had a pierced Brosnan. So can you just break Why didn't James Bond... Does that mean like like bond with, like make friends with. Say say the whole thing. <laughs> why didn't James bond
0: Roger Moore? Why didn't James bond Roger Moore? I think I don't think bond has any other <laughs> meaning other than it's just his name. He's just asking why <laughs> yeah, didn't- but then it doesn't make any sense as a sentence. Well, hey, you're wait. familiar with the concept of Rogering, right?
2: Oh I see. <laughs> I really didn't. I really didn't. I was looking for that same connotation in the word bond. I mean, because that's definitely been made before. The Roger, the Roger Moore. I probably. I was just.
0: I was looking at the stars while you were in the gutter. <laughs> that I mean, that is a good one. I saw that one. That made me chuckle. He's got a Pierce Brosnan, even though it's unpleasant because it makes you then think about his Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> and it makes it makes you feel sad that oh, he can't. It's a shame he can't Roger Moore. So look, this guy, as you can see here, moderates jokes uh, on a uh, kids jokes website, and then he. Compiles he archives them on uh, a tum. Well, it used to be a Tumblr. Does that even exist anymore? Facebook, wherever on the computer, um, a master. He titles them. What do you? This is the voice I use to read out bad kids jokes.
1: What do you call a master who likes cheese? Cheese master. <laughs>